0: This is Ed Black. I'm a partner at Ropes and Gray. I want to welcome everybody to the latest edition of our RNG Tech Studio podcast. In this edition, I have the distinctive pleasure of talking to my friend and my partner, Ed McNicholas, global lead of our data privacy, data security practice at Ropes and Gray. Ed, it is such a pleasure to have you.
1: Uh, Great to be talking with you, Ed. Uh, Always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, and of course, we're both Ed, so we can confuse everyone throughout the throughout the podcast. Two uh, Eds are better than one. Two Eds are better than one. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. I do have some questions for you that are about your practice and about the work that I know you do helping clients with their data and data issues. But before we get there, 10 seconds about who, who you are.
1: I, I live in Alexandria, uh, uh, life, three kids, four dogs. I I spend as much time there as I can. Uh, My wife would tell you that my main office is the United Lounge. It's very much a global practice. My uh, primary office is out of Washington, D.C. on Pennsylvania Avenue. But it is very much a practice that gets me uh, on the road, uh, meeting new people uh, and
0: solving problems across the globe. Wow. Four dogs. We're going to come back to the four dogs. Put Put a pin into that. We're coming back to that. Let's see. I know uh, that you're focused on uh, data, but let me ask a kind of a, just an open-ended question. Uh, when you think about, you know, what it means to have a practice focused on data, and you go back, uh, you know, 10, 15 years, then candidly, the data, the so-called data practice was mainly about protecting credit card numbers. You, you, you scroll forward 10, 15 years to the present, it seems like data is everywhere doing everything. But am I wrong about that? How, how do you see the relevance of the data practice in Ropes and Gray and to our business clients?
1: Well, I trained as a litigator, uh, worked actually in the uh, the Clinton White House on the investigations team back in the days of Ken Starr and Monica Lewinsky. And Largely because of that, I had an active security clearance when um, at and was accused of uh, sharing data with the NSA. And so uh, I got into that case uh, representing at and in the NSA wiretapping cases, uh, into the technology piece of this uh, through the national security side of it, through uh, governmental surveillance and uh, some of the uh, international Uh, issues that arose from that with the Europeans uh, having concerns about the U.S. uh, intelligence community and having a series of issues with uh, international data transfers. So I came to it um, mainly from that national security surveillance uh, piece. And interestingly, a lot of that technology has evolved into commercial usage over time. Things that were once highly classified are now commonplace. Uh, and deployed a- across corporate America, uh, and so I followed that along. And, and yes, uh, the cybersecurity piece of credit card hacks is there, and that has evolved into supply chain attacks, uh, wire fraud diversions, and that sort of thing over the years.
0: But what about uh, you know data in business transactions and data as a kind of a almost a political football? Are these features of of your practice? Uh, Are these things that you see your clients engaged with? Absolutely. The the transnational
1: aspects of data have been the core to the practice and it keeps pushing against uh, geographically bounded uh, conceptions of of privacy and security. Uh, We have a a decentralized model in the US in which we have focus on various uh, different sector-specific laws. The Europeans have an omnibus law. Uh, that model has spread across most of the globe, except now for China, which is asserting kind of data sovereignty in the notion that the nation state should control the data within its boundaries, which is a, a very interesting uh, approach that challenges this. So when working on transnational data issues, uh, we, we see, we go across these different legal systems Uh, And it creates a a very interesting and dynamic set of challenges.
0: Are there any examples of of things that have crossed your desk? I mean, how does what you help people with fit into this global political battle for how data is regulated and owned and controlled?
1: Let me give you two examples. One is a pretty straightforward example. Uh, We represented the endowment of an Ivy League school. And they had a a significant asset in New Zealand that uh, they sold. Uh, There was an intrusion into the email system and the uh, proceeds of the sale wound up being wired to uh, Australia and Hong Kong and Singapore as opposed to the Northeast US. And so we have been working with the the school, uh, the FBI and police in Australia and New Zealand uh, Hong Kong and Singapore to get uh, the proceeds back. We've recovered a fair amount of that money, um, but we see this kind of transnational cyber crime uh, very much uh, a part of what I do on a day-to-day basis, uh, trying to help uh, clients solve that issue. Um, wow. Uh, to take a to take another example, um, we had uh, represent uh, in in litigation. So this is very public. Uh, the the CEO of Solar Winds. Uh, which was a company that makes uh, software that helps enumerate devices across a network. Um, They were hit uh, by um, what has been attributed by the US government to a Russian nation state attack in which they injected code into the uh, software. And then uh, the Russians tried to uh, use this code to uh, further infiltrate uh, other companies. Uh, the notion of that kind of very patient attack in which a nation state would come after a company um, and then uh, work very quietly to get into the middle of their software and then use that to go to other companies is something that is 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 quite novel. And we are working out through uh, several different uh, pieces of litigation that are pending uh, what the implications are. But we handled congressional hearings, securities actions, shareable derivative actions, and and other investigations um, involving that.
0: What about the commercial side of data? It, you know, one of the things I I, I I see in the news is how big data is taking over Wall Street, taking over uh, advertising and marketing, uh, taking over all sorts of you know commercial activity. Uh, is that something? Uh, you know that your practice addresses uh, uh, it's. It's of course it seems like it's a lot less cloak and dagger, but but does uh, does the roast practice is your practice move in those other areas as well?
1: Yes, certainly the the value of data um, is becoming more obvious and opening up uh, many different uh, business models. Uh, interestingly, the machine data is becoming as important as personal data, but personal data is where we're seeing um, a lot more awareness arise as to its impact, uh, people becoming very concerned, we're seeing a parade of new privacy laws across, uh, across the globe really. And what we try to do is we try to go to clients and make sure that they see the value of leaning in to data governance. Now, it might be that at the first level, they would say, okay, privacy and uh, security are business inhibitors. Uh, At most, they're a checkbox that we have to check off. We have to put up a privacy policy in order we can do what we really wanna do. And what we try to do is position privacy and security as business enablers. Because if you can establish trust with consumers, with your investors, Uh, through a robust uh, data governance regime, this will actually allow people to feel more confident in sharing more data. One of the things that we've realized over time is that privacy law actually allows people to share more information. It's kind of like why they put brakes on cars. They put brakes on cars so that people would feel comfortable going faster because then they can slow down the same way people will share more data if they feel that they can pull it back or they can limit its use. And so what we're seeing is people looking at the whole ESG revolution, this whole governance revolution, and saying, this is not some annoying compliance issue. This is actually a market opportunity. And we help our clients create trust with their shareholders, with uh, consumers and other stakeholders. And that trust enables data sharing, enables more data use, and enables use that uh, creates more value throughout the chain.
0: Can you give us an example? Is there some specific client, some specific problem that's crossed your desk recently that really is in this area of establishing the right kind of uh, data governance, the right kind of data management, maybe to uh, you know establish trust? Well,
1: let me just give it a generic example, because a lot of that work is in the nature of client counseling. Yes. Um, let's say there's a dashboard and it yeah. says Ed McNicholas is interested in uh, cats and sailing and uh, lawn care. Well, I am interested in in sailing, not so interested in lawn care, but I have to be somewhat interested, I guess. And I hate cats because I'm a dog guy. <laughs> So what we see is what people do, well, they will uncheck cat and then check dog. They will actually share more information. They will correct the information because they want things that are more relevant. People find value uh, through uh, information that's more targeted to them. And when you give them visibility, they don't say, oh my goodness, how do you know that I'm interested in sailing? They say, oh, I am interested in sailing. Yes, I would like some you know, tips on sailing. But don't tell me about cat food. Tell me about dog food.
0: You've mentioned some of the cybersecurity issues uh, that you've handled. And I know, of course, uh, uh, you're the lead author of a leading treatise on cybersecurity. When you think about what crosses your desk on a day-to-day basis, how does cybersecurity play into the specific matters you handle?
1: Well, as the value of data has increased, people have become more attuned to, you know, protecting it because there's more attacks on it. Like ransomware was at 1.5 years ago, a minor annoyance. Now uh, it's a real threat. Um, And we've seen people need to be able to respond in a almost instantaneous way to the uh, cybersecurity events. Mm. And so we practice with clients through tabletop exercises, um, through making sure that boards of directors uh, are fluent, and can understand these issues in advance. Uh, And then we help them through uh, actual incidents um, where uh, we have questions of not just uh, sending out uh, notices, but securities issues and primarily reputation issues and how to mitigate harm in the middle of a breach. And then we'll work with them through the whole panoply of things that can happen after a breach from securities lawsuits, uh, consumer class actions, regulatory investigations, um, and the like. In in fact, uh, we just saw today probably the first time a uh, a criminal uh, conviction uh, of Uber's uh, former uh, security officer coming out of a data breach. Um, and hopefully that it remains a rarity that we have a a, a data breach resulting in criminal liability. But there is surely Something to learn there about the pressure that people feel uh, within companies and the need to uh, make sure that there is strong governance so that there are guide rails to make sure people stay on the right course uh, in the middle of a stressful
0: data breach. Interesting. Let me shift gears. I mean, one of the things we want to do with this podcast is make sure that people get a feel for sort of who you are as a person as well. So let me ask some questions. I'm going to concede. Silly questions, but and a bit of a lightning round, quick question, quick answer. So, four dogs. What first? What breed are your dogs?
1: Uh, four four different breeds, and and one of them is I'll I'll just call her an American rescue dog. She's got
0: so many different breeds. That's not even funny. Lovely. Uh, changing gears a little bit. It's the last question I ask everybody: In a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which is more important, the peanut butter or the jelly? You know, that is such a profound question that
1: uh, I think it merits a profound answer. And I think that, you know, to subtract either the peanut butter or the jelly makes it not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so I think it's a mystical combination of them.
0: So the 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 peanut butter is the yin, the jelly is the yang, and we need them both to maintain universal systemic balance. Is Indeed. that your answer?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: okay. You're the first person who's to, who, who the personality test has revealed as, as a Zen monk <laughs> 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 through the peanut butter and jelly sandwich question. But it's been a pleasure having you. Ed McNicholas, thank you for joining. Uh, I want to thank our audience for uh, listening in. The RG Tech Studio podcast is available through the RG Tech Studio uh, website and also wherever you find your podcasts. Ed, thank you very much.